2: Hello everyone and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure, the podcast all about kids and how positive education and conscious parenting can impact their entire life as well as society. Each week we are having conversations with guests on different themes and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view and learn in a non-judgmental way. Today we are talking about sleep with Sophie Wilkinson who is a baby sleep expert at Baby Sleep the Nights. Sleep is so important, and as we know, when your baby doesn't sleep, neither do you, which can lead to a lot of stress as well as mental health issues for the whole family. Sophia will talk about her own experience and give some reasons why your baby might have trouble sleeping. I hope you will enjoy this episode. You can also find us on Instagram at The Bubbling Adventure for daily positive education content. And now that it's said and you all went and subscribe, let's begin. Maman maman en faisant cette chanson.
0: Papa papa en faisant cette chanson. Maman papa, mama, papa.
1: Hi Sophie, how are you today? Hello, I'm good. Thank you for having me
2: here. No, thank you so much for joining. I think it's going to be so interesting. It's actually the first time that we're going to talk about sleep on The Building Adventure. And I'm so happy that you're going to be here to share your experience and all your wisdom on this subject. But before we jump in, could you please introduce yourself?
1: Yep. So I'm Sophie Wilkinson. I am a baby and child sleep expert or consultant or coach. Lots of people call it different things. I'm also a children's mental health practitioner as well. Um, And for me, what I do is all about supporting families, supporting their mental health, supporting physical health um, and supporting sleep, which is pretty much the big component of both of those things. So my experience in mental health, I think, has led me into this kind of role as a sleep consultant. But I think my personal experience of having, especially my first child, who's now four, um, who basically was the biggest sleep thief that I have known, apart from maybe other families I've worked with as well, but um, just absolutely... all of us sleep basically um so yeah that is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing really
2: nice 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 so you were working in mental health then you got kids and you realized that your your first child didn't sleep well and you didn't either (laughs) Uh, okay and so how how did you did you change trajectory and focus on on sleep and how did you apply what you learned to your own personal life?
1: Yeah, so I think with the with my firstborn, both my children have reflux and allergies. So um, the first part of their life, very colicky, kind of crying a lot, lots of spitting up, projectile vomiting, um, rashes, reactions, eczema. Just a very uncomfortable babies, um, which ultimately didn't really help their sleep. So I found that once we kind of managed those things, and it was late to diagnose, especially with my first, we were around five to six months when we started to understand what was going on for him. Which for me was just felt awful that I didn't know what was happening for him mm. he was all the time. Um, it, we would walk around the streets. He would just cry when I was trying to get him to sleep. He would cry in my arms. He would cry when I was trying to breastfeed him. Literally, would basically just cry most of the time. Um, My husband was working shifts, so I kind of felt a little bit alone. He would work at night, he would sleep in the day, and I would be trying to keep my baby quiet because just upset all the time. Um, And it was when I got to about seven months, and I thought, I can't do this anymore. And my mental health, and being in mental health, and um, working in it, I knew exactly what what, poor mental health looked like. And for me, it was one night, and I was up every 45 minutes with my baby, and it was taking me 45 minutes to get him back. And I was doing the rocking, I was shushing, I was singing, I was going out in the car sometimes. I was doing literally anything to get him back to sleep, and it usually always ended up in a breastfeed. So then I was feeding him every 45 minutes, or thereabouts. That was- Um, and he was a big baby at this point and he was being sick all the time and then he'd go to sleep and then I'd lie him down and he'd wake up and he'd have wind and it was just a vicious cycle of no sleep causing probably more wind and reflux problems while feeding and yeah, it was that night where I was in bed and I thought to myself the dog's just been eaten by a snake (laughs) and I then um, thought I'm gonna to have to lie here really still because the snake's gonna come and get me. So basically I hallucinated. and it was at that point I thought this I can't do this I can't do this anymore. Um, we're all suffering. my baby is suffering he's crying all the time he's waking up he doesn't want to be awake he just to get. So it was at that point I spoke to a health visitor, GP, um, friends, family and everyone was lovely gave their advice but it wasn't working nothing was helping the situation so I went to a sleep consultant and within three days no word of a lie my baby slept in the night Mm. by just having sleep support from somebody else so we looked at nap timings we looked at routines we looked at how my baby can self-settle because he was becoming very reliant on me to get him back and self settling is this really big, big thing at the minute um, There's a lot of debate over whether we should or shouldn't. Um, m- my stance on it is when I've woken up every 45 minutes and my baby has, and he's relying on me to breastfeed him to get back to sleep. He doesn't need that nutrition every 45 minutes. So what does he need? He needs sleep. So I got to the point where I was thinking, I need to give him the sleep. I need to give him what he needs. His biological need is to sleep, so I need to give him that. So we looked at the self settling aspect, the environment for him, my baby didn't sleep when he should, and um, as he should and as I expected that a baby would sleep, he didn't do that for me. Um, and it's very common, obviously, we go into kind of parenting and thinking, oh, well, he'll just fit into my life. Well, I did anyway, that's what I thought. Um, I can take him around, he'll fall asleep in my carrier, I can just push him around But for me, it was just a fight all the time. So we looked at all the factors to do with sleep, and then on the third night he slept through. And you know what? He was the happiest child I had seen. He had reflux was managed. He wasn't windy all night because I kept feeding him. Um, he was already on medication for reflux, and he was just happy. He would had a good night's sleep, and we were working on those naps in the day. So for me, this transformation was absolutely incredible, and my mental health improved pretty quickly after that and my husband didn't leave me to go on his shift thinking oh no I hope she's okay tonight checking in with me all the time I was texting him through the night probably more more awake at night time than I was in the day yeah so that is why I got that sleep support and then I continued working with a sickle son for two weeks and she said do you want to train up to do this other people and I'm here and I'm here offering that support to other families who are going through maybe the same maybe similar maybe worse maybe better that there's no worse or better particularly anyway it's just getting babies and families to see what they need to protect their mental health so that Mm -hmm. that is my experience of it and that's why I'm here to support other families
2: okay that's very interesting because you had to go through it and then yeah it's nice that you are able to so give back to to other families kind of uh, but so I know there's different techniques including for example letting your baby cry out um, I don't know what sort of techniques you use if you can just tell us a little bit more about
1: the yeah there's yeah. loads of different techniques you can use my personal is that you when you're looking at encouraging sleep you do get a little bit of support with it that would be my main approach because if you're going to do some sleep training you want to do it properly and you want to do it most effectively okay there's always going to be some crying involved with sleep training if you're going from my instance of having a baby cry all the time pretty much to all of a sudden just saying oh no you're with a sleep consultant now they're not going to cry ever again they're just going to sleep through that's impossible That's an impossible task. So there's always going to be some element of crying, but there's never going to be an element where I would say to anybody, shut the door and say, see you in the morning. Do I think that that um, in some scenarios is the worst thing to do? No, I wouldn't say here, all those people that are doing the quiet out, leaving the room are awful parents. No, I, I don't think that. In fact, there's not evidence to suggest that it affects cortisol levels or anything like that or attachment. Um, that lots of people talk about but if we can do it a nicer gentler way that's what i would prefer to do mm-hmm. both for parent and for child so a baby is crying at night because they're tired and frustrated and sometimes they are hungry every 45 minutes in my instance he wasn't hungry <laughs> he mm-hmm. could go four hours in the day without a feed but he'd do 45 minutes in the night so it's looking at the need for your child so I always look at age of child I always look at a specific child what's going on for them what the um, parental kind of preferences are how we can um, dissect what the actual cause of Sleep is. It might be that timings for naps and bedtimes are out, and that's what we need to do just to think that. Or it might be that we need to look at some self settling because they become heavily reliant on a condition to help them go to sleep. So, my baby was heavily reliant on the condition of breastfeeding to go to sleep, and yeah, I could rock him to start with, and then come the end, he um, just all he needed was a breastfeeding and then just go back to sleep. He was conditioned to have that to go to sleep. So if a baby has been conditioned to kind of need something to go back to sleep, they are going to wake up the next time after a sleep cycle, needing that condition again to go back to sleep. So that is what we need to encourage some self-settling. We need babies to go to a sleep cycle and then they wake up from that sleep cycle and go into the next one. So for instance, for us as adults, our sleep cycles are around 90 minutes, Um, we will see a light. Um, phase sleep, a um, deeper sleep phase, and then a lighter sleep phase again, and then we'll come to this sort of arousal level here. Okay, at this point, so at the end of our sleep cycle here, we will go into our next sleep cycle, and we'll just keep doing blocks of 90 minutes, you know, thereabouts. um, For us, we may wake up at this time here, we may go to the loop, we may nudge our other partner for snoring or look at the (laughs) monitor for our babies. We may do something at that point and then we go back to sleeping to our next sleep cycle. And sometimes we don't even realize it. We just keep linking those sleep cycles. Uh, For babies, they do exactly the same, but theirs are a lot shorter. Their sleep, So anywhere between 20 and 45 minutes, um, getting up to the 90, 90 minute mark as they get older, usually around school age. And we go through the sleep cycle, and then they come out of it here. Whatever they went to sleep with here, they can wake up here if they're not quite tired enough to go through the next sleep cycle, or um, they're overtired even, or something happens to wake them up here. And then they say, I need this to get me back to so sleep here. They breastfed them to sleep here. and do one sleep cycle, 45 minutes for my little one through the night. Um, and then they say, I need that condition. I need that breastfeed to go back into the next And then you can just have a pattern of that throughout the whole night. They Just keep waking up needing something to get back to sleep. It can sometimes unfortunately be the dummy that does it. It can sometimes be rocking. I have worked with families where it's just taken somebody to walk into the room and then their toddler goes, oh, because they've just needed that condition, no matter what it is, they just need a nutrition to get back to sleep. So I would look at that, what are they requiring? Why are they waking up? What is the reason for that wake up? What are they demanding at that time that they need them to get back to sleep? And talking to the younger babies, they are going to need a feed. Of course, they're going to need to feed. When we're talking to about a year old and we're still feeding in the night, I'd be looking at, are they getting enough nutrition in the day? Uh, is there a reason that they need that nutrition at night time, most likely not therefore they're using it to get back to sleep. So that's what we'd be looking at when we do. So from my kind of plans that I would work with, I have options of a 30 minute consultation where we'll look at everything to do with sleep, the factors around sleep, how we can tweak a few things to make it work, um, make your baby sleep longer, make your baby sleep better. And then if I think that there's a reason why your baby's waking up and um, they're struggling to get back to sleep because they need a condition, we will look at trying to change that condition and encourage that self setting The way I do that is by using a, a sleep plan, which normally involves a questionnaire. I get loads of information from a family. I tailor make a, or create a sleep plan specifically for the child. So we get on the consultation for 90 minutes, go through that, sleep plan via video call, and then they will start their sleep plan on like their choice. I will give them two weeks support at that point because I'm not a massive fan of generic sleep plans. I don't think that they work for all people. Um, Certainly didn't work for me when I had one for my child. There was no contingency, and it's the same with a book. There's just no contingency in there. What for my baby does this? And actually, all babies are different. So if you give me a generic plan, how do I know that my baby's going to fit that mould? And to be honest, it didn't with mine. And I know there's families out there that it's worked for. Great. Um, for me, it's all about that support, the tweaking of the naps, so the tweaking of the way that we kind of encourage that self Um, I will always start with, uh, well, I will always do a plan where I have a parent in the room with the baby so they're not shutting the door and leaving them there we've talked about there's going to be some crying involved There will usually be some crying involved but we're going to reassure we are going to comfort intermittently we're going to make sure the baby knows that they're there there's going to be no fear of abandonment going on here so the parent feels comfortable with it and so as mm-hmm. a child your child is merely crying because they're tired and they're frustrated and their condition isn't there anymore we're trying to remove that condition for them to make the rest of the night easier for them by meeting their need of sleep, so mm-hmm. that is my self settling plan that I mainly work with with um, parents.
2: Makes sense. That's super interesting. And so, when is a good time to see a sleep trainer or sleeping coach? Oh, like, I, when do you when
1: do you say, "Oh, my kid has
2: trouble sleeping"?
1: So personally, I think the NHS. Well, this is gonna I say it all the time, but it's gonna get me out of the job, I know. But I think the NHS should offer newborn sleep support and I think it needs to be more robust. I have no clue. And the families that come to me have absolutely no clue about child sleep. I'm not sure we're getting enough support as parents. And I think the NHS needs to be offering newborn sleep support for everybody. Even a course would be lovely. I'd like that. And then what you can see from really good newborn sleep training, not training, but um, points and goals to work towards, is that you're not gonna get to a point where you only need to do sleep training because they're gonna have really good, healthy habits from birth. And then we're not gonna see these issues as they get older. Saying that, I, I work with parents who babies wake up varying amounts at nighttime. Neither, as I said, neither is worse or, or better it's any night wakes where your child isn't getting enough sleep and the parents not getting enough sleep if it's not doable for you and your baby's unhappy then that's when I say seek help get some sleep more if you're thinking I want more for my child and it doesn't bother me that I'm up but it bothers me that my child is awake a lot then seek help if um, that means your child is four months old yeah come to me great if it means your child is suddenly two years old and they've suddenly just started fighting their sleep or it's becoming unmanageable, yeah, great, get in touch. So there's not really an ideal time. The earlier the better to create some healthy sleep habits is a good time, um, but if you get through and you're just finding it's absolutely manageable and there's no implications on mental health, on physical health, on child health, then yeah, there's no reason to kind of seek that healthy there's not a problem. You don't need the help. Mm. Um, so yeah, not not really an age. Um, younger is better to develop those healthy sleep habits. Um, and I'm I'm not talking about sleep training, I'm just talking about um open dose um, the environment that baby sleeps in and things like that.
2: Yes, makes sense. Because so obviously some babies, as you said, have issues falling asleep, and so it's like the whole cycle that's um like they need to be adept but I also heard of night terrors so that comes a bit later right
1: yeah night terrors come um yeah later the difficulty not the difficulty but with night terrors the first thing I will look at is overtime children because the amount of families that come to me and say around Christmas time my child had night terrors or there's lots of um yeah, nightmares or, or, or night terrors, or even sleepwalking um, around Christmas or Easter's or celebrations, or I will always say, has there been anything that's triggered this? Has there been a late mm-hmm. night? Has your child been unwell, they've sleep deprived or they've had less sleep? I will always look at that first. And most of the time families will say to me, yeah you had a holiday and, or it was Christmas and you stayed somewhere and you didn't really sleep very well or she didn't sleep very well. Um, and it they can only last for about a week or two weeks until that kind of sleep's um, caught up a little bit. And I would always suggest bring that bedtime earlier if anybody has experienced night terrors from children. There's other causes for it, trauma as such, but I would always look at overtiredness first. And then if it was still persisting, I would then um, look at other reasons it and that's going more into my mental health role rather than my sleep consultant role. But um, yeah, that's why they kind of overlap a little bit, which is quite nice. Um, but I would definitely, for my sleep consultant role, consider bringing that mental earlier if there's no terrors involved. Mm, interesting because I think
2: me and my brother, we both sleepwalk, I mean, we I used to, I don't anymore, but when I was a kid uh, and I think that's like, I, I thought that that was maybe sort of genetic is it or is it completely unrelated?
1: Yeah yeah you know there is a a genetic part of it and and families that I work with will always say oh brother or parent has done it or they do do it. It's a state of deep sleep that we can get into as well Um, and adults are generally paralysed When they go into REM, which is rapid eye movements, we kind of have this temporary paralysis that we can't act out all of our dreams. So we kind of go from a deep sleep into our lighter sleep. And for some, um, we have a dream and we can then not paralyze paralysis from it so we can get up and we can just kind of act it out and go downstairs or open the door and scary stuff it is really scary for people that are observing it you can't wake them up you can't wake people up you can just let them go through it um so yeah and you know what children are often the same as well they don't have that don't often have that um, temporary paralysis when they go through rapid eye movement stage of sleep Um, and you can see them sometimes crawling in their cot because they've been practicing this new developmental stage and their parents say, oh, they're awake. What are they doing awake? You go in, they're just completely asleep. You can't rouse them. They're just practicing, (laughs) doing what they're doing. Um, (laughs) Not scary at all. Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) And the rolling, the rolling's the worst one um, because they just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. Oh, my goodness, they're just not sensing. They usually sleep And, yeah. Mm really interesting how old were you when you stopped sleepwalking I'm trying to
2: remember (laughs) I don't know I'm not sure but probably around I don't know maybe 11 12 I'm not even sure maybe before that but I remember so even my dad would would do it when he was a kid as well and I I know that he opened his building door and he was living in the city center so that was super super dangerous and basically the dog barked so it woke his his dad up and he just found his son pushing the big like gate of the of the building so <laughs> yeah,
1: um, yeah. <laughs> For kids, if anybody is experiencing that, that's listening, um, putting a bottle on the door right at the top so they can't actually get to it at all. Um, and yeah, just being a bit more practical in the house about where they can get to and what they can get as well. any um, shops and things like that, if you can reach out to get things like that. It can be dangerous. It can be really dangerous.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it is, it is. But so is there anything, because I know so uh some nightmares come because for example you've had too much water and you just need to go to the loo is it also something that you include in sleep training at all or not because i know that a lot of nightmares and a lot of times when you wake up it's just because your bladder is full
1: yeah um nightmares can we kind of can recall them but that doesn't mean that they have just happened those nightmares Mm -hmm. we could have had we could have had them earlier um we normally see them in the second half of the night, nightmares, um, because we're in a lighter sleep. And that's when we normally have the kind of dreams. Like the deep sleep. So the night walk, and the seat walking, talking, um, night terror is normally the first half of the night. That's more of a deeper sleep phase that we go through. it will be a little bit more of a heavier sleep So I don't know if you found that experience that people said to you when you're sleepwalking is the first half of the night, because that's usually when it is. Um Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I delve into the science of it, and I normally say the good bedtime routine, looking at any emotional health issues around um, the bedtime and the, the emotional side of, of things. You just You've got a new school starter or um, a child that's been through a trauma. We need to start understanding and unraveling some of those because that can kind of go into our and just into our dreams and things like that. So if we can talk about worries, we can talk about um, emotional health for young children, not right before bed, but earlier in, in the evening, um, get some of their worries off their mind and bring that bedtime earlier. That's the kind of advice I would give around night tellers and nightmares.
2: Mm. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. Yeah, I guess it's uh, it can be a lot of different issues and it, it's not one size fits all it has to because I, I guess then your two kids were different from one another as well in terms of yeah, sleep oh, training
1: massively and you know I hadn't I had formally sleep trained my second because I, I got in there early enough and we were looking at really some good healthy habits to start with I must admit out with both of my children my one that hasn't been sleep trained is the worst worst sleeper um he's more restless at night time i find that um if he's unwell he's not as um he's a bit more restless than my other one um but both of them obviously very very good sleepers um and have benefited benefited from it massively um and i have benefited and my family have benefited from it um, massively. Yeah. but yeah very different very different children completely um And often people say that to me, my first doesn't like this at all. My first didn't need any sleep support, Um, but my second is waking up every hour at night time or every two hours at night time. And yeah, very different two children. (laughs)
2: Mm. That makes sense, yeah. So it's about finding what works for, for that kid in particular. And is there any last advice that you would like to share? Advice, yeah,
1: around routines, Get in there early with um, routines if you can. So looking at wake windows for babies um, up until they've got a nap, look at these wake windows. Um, make sure you've got a nice distribution for those naps. Make sure you're getting enough daytime to sleep. Don't skip naps. Um, people often say to me, oh, if I do less sleep in the day, I'll sleep better at nighttime. Usually the opposite um, is true. Um, even if they a night or two, you see that the night's getting better, it will soon unravel and we'll start seeing something nice as well as the days at that point. Um, So yeah, preventing overtiredness, looking at wake windows, obviously I've got loads of free advice on my Instagram and my social media platforms. Um, Looking at the blackout blinds, making that room really constant for children. Anything changes, we talked about the sleep cycle, anything changes in that sleep cycle, we as adults and babies will wake up at the end of that sleep cycle and say something's changed. And for babies that find it difficult to self-settle or just get a bit restless around that time, we've changed that environment for them. They're gonna go either either wake up and need something to get back to sleep again, or they're just gonna be a bit unsure of their environment and struggle to get back into that. So So making sure that environment's nice and constant, um, looking at the reason for why your baby's waking up. If they were sleeping through the night at five months and then all of a sudden at five and a half months, uh, or they were having one feed at five months, and then the six months they were having four feeds a night, I'd be thinking, well, why are they suddenly needing more? we have gone maybe through a little bit of a growth but potentially. If they're still having more and it's just increasing, we're looking at there being a reason, condition, being for sleep here, rather than actually nutrition at this point. So, yeah, looking at why your baby's waking up, really. What are they needing? What are they telling you they need when they wake up? And is that getting worse? Is it getting better? How can you manage that? Mm,
2: Very, very helpful. We will leave Sophie's link in the description so that you can click and check out her website and all the social media, including Instagram, so that you can find all the tips. But thank you so, so much, Sophie, for all this uh, very valuable advice. And yes, thank you so much. Any questions, just hang them over to me. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know. If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable.